Well, I wanted to let the kiddos get out of the room before we started today, because we're going to start, if it's okay with you, with a little bit of a sad story. Is that okay? I promise we'll get lighthearted again real soon. Real heavy, real heavy story. Elliot, throw that first picture up there. This is a 2009 article, so it's not fresh sad news, but uh, there's this herd of sheep in Turkey, and uh, if you kind of read the story, basically it says, uh, first one of the sheep went over the edge of a cliff. And then his fellow sheep saw that he went over the edge of the cliff and decided to follow him. And more and more sheep started following him over the cliff, and more and more sheep continued to fall what is 15 meters, which I know we don't use that kind of stuff around here, but 15 meters, you think a meter is three feet, so 15 times three is 45 feet fall. Now eventually, after about 400 sheep had fallen and sadly died on the rocks below, it kind of created a cushion with all that wool and body, and so the other like uh, 700 and so sheep didn't, 700, 800 so sheep didn't actually get as injured or hurt, and so there's this weird story where like one sheep starts going over the edge, and more sheep starts to follow the flock, and more sheep start to follow the flock, and next thing you know, 400 sheep have died following each other over the edge of a cliff. Kind of takes you back to those moments when you're growing up and your parents are like, well, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Apparently, if you're a sheep, that's kind of the answer is yes sometimes. 42,000 lira, I have no idea what that translates to in dollars. I should have looked it up, but it's probably a lot of loss in this little community where these families mostly had about 20 sheep apiece and sadly didn't anymore. It's really kind of a sad bummer of a story. But I wanted to start with it because today we're talking about shepherds and sheep, and I just wanted to set the uh, baseline for understanding that no matter what sheep are, smart, like, best choices are not necessarily on the list, right? This willingness to just follow their friends right over the edge to their own demise is kind of this baseline. This is what happens when sheep are left without a shepherd. However, if sheep have a really good shepherd, we might get something more like this. So we're going to watch a little video that's just a lot of fun. So check this out. You can go ahead and end it there, Elliot. Oh, goodness. So sheep left to their own devices, problems, right? Sheep guided by some really... I guess bored shepherds uh, can do a lot of cool and interesting things. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would assume if Samsung came along and said, "Hey, we got this idea. Could you guys do this? We'll pay you a lot of money." Sure, why not? Um, but there's this really cool picture of these guys running around, and they're not—if you notice—they're not really running around that much. They're giving whistles, signals, commands, hollering things out. They're using their voices to give some order and instruction. These dogs are well-trained, and this whole thing is kind of orchestrated pretty well, and it's really neat to see what they can do. And if you remember, we've been walking through these different uh, groups of the Psalms and talking about some different things. We've talked about happiness uh, at the start of this. We then talked about the prophets last week and this idea of waiting for what the prophets have spoken and what they're pointing to and what they're declaring. And this week, we are landing in a very familiar psalm, which is Psalm 23, which talks a great deal about this imagery of shepherding. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this need for us to have this shepherd leading and guiding us and directing us. And so I thought that would be a fun way for us to kind of introduce this idea of the importance of a shepherd in our life. Because again, 
we tend to live in a culture where people use this term, don't be a sheep, as some sort of derogatory statement about don't blindly follow your friends off a cliff, right? Which that makes sense, because sheep tend to do that. However, Scripture continually refers to us as sheep in need of a shepherd. So whether we are choosing to make poor choices or not, we tend to be people who follow our own way and make poor choices whether we like it or not. And we are sheep who are in need of a good shepherd in our lives. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today through the light of Psalm 23. And before we get too far into that, if you would, bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father, I am so grateful for the fact that you are a shepherd who guides and directs our every step. That, Father, you are always there whispering with your still small voice, guiding and directing us through the power of your spirit. If we could but still ourselves and listen, if we would give ourselves over to recognize your voice. Father, I, I know that your heart and desire is for us to find our delight in you, to be patient and wait on you, to be led by you. And so, Father, I just pray that in the midst of our conversation today, you would help us to know exactly how to seek wisdom from these sacred songs and to hear and see uh, what it is you are speaking into our hearts today. So I just pray that uh, in the midst of this time, it would be your words and not mine that are lifted up this morning. We love you, and so in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's start with your memory verse for this week. It is Psalm 23, 1 through 3, and we're going to look a little further into Psalm 23 this morning as well. But I would encourage you to look at these words and remember my notes a little bit longer, but hopefully some of you have already committed a little bit of this to memory over the course of years, because like I said, for a lot of us, this is a fairly familiar one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We're going to hang out there for just a second before we move on to the rest of this. I want to point out a couple of things in the midst of this passage. We talked about this fact that we, Scripture is referring to us as sheep. We are people who wander and stray and follow our own ideas and kind of do our own thing. And yes, we tend to follow culture where it leads and guides us. Our friends, where they lead and guide us, whether we like to admit it or not. We are swayed very heavily by the influence of the people in our lives, by trying to please other people, by trying to be like other people. We, no matter what we think we are, have a very specific tendency to try to pursue lots of different things. We've talked about two weeks ago the fact that we find happiness and delight in God's presence. That God's presence is what should bring us happiness and joy. But if we're honest, we're constantly pursuing happiness and joy and fulfillment and desires in all the other things, right? We remember back to the beginning of where we started, quarter 52. She saw that the, tree, the fruit of the tree was a delight to the eyes and good for food and desirable for gaining knowledge and wisdom. And so she took that, right? And so we, we know that there's all these other things that we seek after hoping that we'll find that. And then at the same time, last week we talked about this idea that we struggle not to be grumbly and impatient and frustrated with the process of getting from one point to another. When God says, I'm going to take you somewhere, I'm going to fulfill this work in you, I'm going to continue all these things, he's ultimately always pointing to himself and continuing to say, be patient. 
Find rest in me. Don't get caught up with where we're going. Don't get so focused on all the distractions, all the things around you that you miss out on the fact that you need to keep your eyes on me. And then here we are in this moment saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means all these other things, all these other things we chase after, we want to be like, I want to be cool, I want to be liked, I want to find this, I want to find that, I want to achieve this, I want to achieve that. I saw this cool thing on the internet, and I wish my bathroom looked like that. Sent Tess one of those videos this morning. I'm like, look at this guest bathroom. How awesome is that? Uh, like, it was, it was actually a lot of movie posters and pictures, and it was really funny. But, uh, yeah, it was, anyway, it was a whole other thing. But I was like, you know, we see things, and we go, I want that. I want this. I chase after that. I desire this. And our eyes are so distracted, and we're pulled this way and that way. I shall not want. What's that mean? That in God's presence, with the shepherd leading, I don't have any desires because he is meeting and fulfilling my desires. Oh, something bad happened. Look at that. Nora's monitoring from downstairs. Thanks, kiddo. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, it's probably trying to follow me because we all know that I can't stand still, and so the camera's just probably finally caught on that it needs to move around. But anyway... I shall not want. He's leading me to the best places to be. He is leading me into his presence where that's all I need. I'm trusting and content. It's funny to me to watch that video and to see these groups of sheep move where they're told to go. And yet at the same time, there's this line while they're playing pong of just some random sheep standing in the dark out in the middle of this field by themselves, standing still and staying where they're supposed to be standing. Why? Because the shepherd told them to stand there, right? They got positioned there and told to be there, and they were listening to the shepherd's voice and commands to stay there. They didn't chase after the other wandering things. There was enough of an established relationship with those guys that they said, okay, I'm supposed to stand here. Even though my friends are wandering back and forth, even though there's all this other stuff happening around me, even though it's dark out here and this is weird, I'm not sure why I've got all these lights strapped to my back. If you say so, I'm here. Because I know that when I listen to your voice and I do what you've called me to do, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That there's nothing I need to chase after. There's nothing I need to want. There's nothing I need to desire because you are all I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is not a request. (laughs) And if you think about it, green pastures sound like a good thing to us if we were sheep and actually wanted to eat grass it would sound like a wonderful thing right he makes me lie down in green pastures but let's be honest even in the green pastures even in the most abundant of circumstances we still feel this need to keep moving to keep driving to keep pressing on to keep doing all this stuff and it is so hard for us as a people we've talked about this time and time again to just chill out and rest to actually slow down even in the midst of abundance or especially in the midst of abundance to turn our eyes to him and let him be the thing that we just soak up. Because it's really easy when family's good and life's good and the house is warm and I don't have to be out in the yucky rain and everything's just good to sit there and be happy watching my football game throughout the afternoon, right? But to be made to lie down in green pastures, to have that kind of Sabbath stillness, silence, rest, where I have to turn my eyes to him and fix my eyes on him and realize why he's so good is important. And so he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
he restores my soul. Like, that's the part that always gets me in this passage, like this thing. He is the one who's trying to restore me. And even though in the midst of all this passage so far, it's talking about abundance and goodness, not wanting green pastures, still waters, like waters that aren't scary because, again, the sheep get kind of worked up. There's this idea of calm and rest and safety and security here. It's not running, babbling, dangerous water, but it's the still waters that I feel like I can drink from and rest in. And even though everything is good, he restores my soul. He's giving me this goodness out of his presence. He is my shepherd. I can trust him. I can find rest and goodness. He leads me in paths of righteousness, not for my benefit, not so that I can get everything I want, not so that my life can be perfect and good, because we've talked about the fact that trials will come, suffering will come. If we want to be like him, we suffer with him in the trials and the tribulations that come our way. Yet, He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, I'm looking at that video with all these shepherds on this hillside doing all this cool stuff, and I'm not going, wow, that sheep is just so smart. Right? I'm like, whoa, how much work did those guys have to do to train those sheep to do what they want them to do? Like, in my mind, I'm just thinking about how hard it is to get a kid to do those things. Do you know marching bands that like make formations on the field. You ever seen Ohio State's marching band and the stuff they do and they march around the field and it looks like some stick figure actually moving on the field and we go, wow, do you know how many hours of practice they put in to make that work and to make that come together and to choreograph all that? Like that's with people who can think like clearly for themselves and don't have to be like babysat every step of the way. They just kind of get told, here's your spots, hit them and get better at it, right? There's still a director and people who are out there going, no, fix this, fix that, whatever. But these sheep to be in formation like that and making it look like there's a giant sheep walking across the field, I think what kind of investment had to have been made on that shepherd's part to make that sheep look that good and that that well-coordinated, right? And I think, wow, that's impressive. They did a really cool thing there. And yet, at the same time, like when we live our lives in the abundance of who God is and the abundance of his direction, we kind of want everybody to look at us and say, wow, you're so faithful. Wow, you're so dedicated. And you go, do you know how much investment my God had to put into humanity as a whole to get me to even get remotely this close? If you didn't see me like when I was putting on my best performance, do you know how broken I still am? Do you know how much investment and chasing and working and time he has had to spend investing in me and trying to call me back and sacrificing himself for me so that I could get even to this point? Trust me, it's far from perfect. If we're honest, really, that's the way it is, right? It's not because we're so good. It's because the shepherd is so good and continues to pour himself out for us. If we look under this next section, starting in verse 4 here, it's that next slide. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's one we hear all the time. We think about it. We think about these scary, dark seasons. We move from abundance into like the valley of the shadow of death. And it's saying, I won't fear evil because the shepherd is with me. He's been good. He's protected me. He's provided for me. Honestly, we get kind of wrapped up in the, oh, this is scary. Oh, this is bad. Life is caving in all around me. God, where are you? I thought you should have answered my prayers right now. Why isn't this better? And sometimes we get really panicked and really afraid and we're calling out saying, where are you? But when we live that way, are we really trusting the one who's with us? And I'm not saying we're bad people or we all all fall short and fail a little bit. 
I'm trying to help us think about this relationship on the whole. How much time do we spend investing in and trusting in the relationship that exists with our shepherd? Because in the midst of this kind of imagery, the idea is I have been here before and I don't have to worry about this. Because listen to this next line. You prepare a table from before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You, that, that one has always seemed kind of weird in the midst of this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There are times where you're going to lead me beside still waters. There are going to be times where you make me lie down in green pastures. But there are also times in the life of a sheep and a shepherd where you are going to lead me into a place where we need to be because this is where the food is. But there are also predators. There are also the things around that are a danger. But you are with me. You're not going to let the enemy come in and destroy. You're not going to let the predator come in and devour me. You are there to protect me. You've provided for me. In the midst of all this, though, we also can't miss this imagery. You've also corrected me and taught me how to follow you. This rod and staff are not just for beating predators. Like, they're not just for, like, David mentions this idea of crushing, you know, a lion and a bear and beating these predators away and fighting them off and destroying them to protect his flock so Goliath's no big deal I've beaten up lions and bears why should he be a scary thing right we think only about the rod and the staff being for the enemy but the rod and the staff are also for the sheep to correct them to help them understand how to trust the guidance and leading of the shepherd in the midst of dangerous circumstances in the midst of suffering in the midst of facing temptation and trial when you are in the most dangerous spots where temptation might overcome you, the shepherd is constantly trying to guide and correct that hook to pull you back in line so you know where to walk because that shepherd is guiding and leading and helping to correct your step and line you out. If you do some study and some looking into what a shepherd in this early time does, or maybe even how one might cause what seems like some pain and harm to a, sh- a young sheep, to help get them back in line and then carries and provides for them until they get lined back out and learn to trust the shepherd. It's pretty incredible stuff. There's a lot of cool imagery that happens there. But this process of him pouring into us requires us to be willing to listen to the voice so that there's actually trust in the midst of that relationship. And if we get to that spot we're in the presence of our enemies. We realize all this. We realize that we can trust him. We don't have to fear. He anoints my head with oil. There's this blessing and my cup overflows. I'm just overflowing and overwhelmed with the goodness of who God is, who my shepherd is, right? So look at this last verse here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't say perfect ease, no problems. Everything will be wonderful. Everything will be great. But goodness, fairness, rightness, justness, who God is, and mercy, forgiveness when I fail, shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, who was a shepherd, is pouring out his heart through this lens of understanding of what it means to be a good shepherd who guides a flock. Because remember, when David first enters the picture, he's not the son who met the expectations to be king. He's not the one who we were looking at going, wow, he's tall and handsome and fits the criteria of what I would think. Remember, God doesn't look on what man sees. He looks on the heart. He understands what's below the surface. And so we look at that 
picture, that understanding of what was going on there. Who David is. David is off with the sheep. Caring in the same way that God cares for his people for these animals. He understands this imagery and this likeness of God leading his people and establishing a relationship. Not this scary, don't step out of line or I will smite you and destroy you kind of thing, but this building of trust between this sheep and this shepherd where we learn to trust and give and take and go back and forth and understand one another so we can guide and lead and walk together in this relationship. And he's pouring his heart out in this psalm saying, I know where my happiness is. I know where my trust is. I know how to be patient in the presence of God. I failed at that. So goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I know that. But my desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever because he is a good leader and guide who will direct me and help me keep my eyes focused on what's most important. Jesus continues to reiterate this idea in John chapter 10. There's this whole passage about Jesus as a good shepherd. Again, using this imagery that is so clear, and we're, we're going to get into more shepherd talk and more sheep talk as we go on throughout the rest of this year because up, up to and through Christmas, there's some cool stuff coming, and I'm just like learning lots myself even. But there's this passage in John 10, if you want to go ahead and flip over there, Elias, that next passage. Jesus starts out at the beginning of chapter 10. He's talking. He says, truly, truly. So he's repeating something. It means I'm, I'm doubling down and saying, listen, listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by a, another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. It's interesting how that's written there, isn't it? He's saying, he's basically getting into this whole conversation about I am the good shepherd. And he's going to go on to say that here in a minute. But he's, he's kind of presenting this idea that there's this flock that needs to be called out and brought and led to some place. And he is the one who's going to enter in through this gate, through this way, and lead his sheep out, the ones who will listen to his voice. Other people will try to get in and lead the sheep, but they're not from, they're not coming in the right way. They're thieves that are coming in to steal and kill and destroy, which we'll get to in a second as well. But there's this imagery, this picture, that only the one who comes in this certain way through this gate is the one who's worthy to lead them, the one who is actually trustworthy. And you'll notice that the right shepherd, the true shepherd, the one that we're supposed to follow is a voice that the sheep should recognize. It should be in line with all the things that God has been trying to help them understand. And other strangers, they're going to try to sneak in over the walls, through the gates, other ways. And their voice should be strange and not in line. And the sheep should push back and not want to follow that voice because it's not trustworthy. It's a stranger. And yet, as this finishes up, they didn't understand him. I think it's interesting. 
Because in the midst of not understanding, this is this one of those things where he's using a parable and they don't always get the parables, and that's fine. But I just it made me stop and think, they don't hear what he's saying. And there's this moment where it kind of hit me and I wrestled with this idea. We say we want to follow Jesus' voice. We say we want him to be the good shepherd. We say that we want him to be the one that leads us besides still waters. We know the 23rd Psalm and the beauty that exists there. And we've heard that imagery, imagery broken down before, and there's so much rich text there, but the reality is, is that we still find it way easier at times to follow a lot of other voices. Because they just feel a little more connected. They feel a little bit more like where the rest of the flock is going. Sometimes it's hard when we actually start to follow the teachings of this book. It makes people nervous because what's taught in here sometimes doesn't always play out the same way as what we've been told we should be or do or act or behave or something or another. Like there's people who literally, like I said, I think I shared this a while back ago, but I'm hearing stories of people who are teaching students in college about the Sermon on the Mount and asking the class who is going to study in a Bible college or seminary, what do you think Jesus was actually saying here on the Sermon on the Mount? And they're like, oh no, it's not actually things he expected us to follow and do. Like it's, it's good teaching, it's the right heart and mindset, but I don't think he actually expected us to live it out. It's too complicated. That's, that's unrealistic expectations. And some of us would rather write off the teachings of what it means to follow, what it actually means to be like him, because that's scary, it's too complicated, it's too challenging, it puts us in uncomfortable situations, it makes us feel unsafe, it makes us feel uneasy, and all of a sudden we're focusing on the predators, the enemies, the things that seem daunting, and we're not trusting the voice of the shepherd who's leading and guiding us in his way and calling us to certain paths, calling us to certain righteousness, to a certain way of living, And it just becomes easier to listen to other kind of distorted voices. That one sounds kind of close to the shepherd. Maybe I'll follow that one because it's kind of like it makes me feel good and warm and fuzzy. It may not be 100% like what the shepherd would say to do, but I can follow that voice because it kind of connect. It kind of makes sense. Or, you know what? Over the course of time, I know that that's probably not the right thing to say or do, but I just feel deeply that this is right. So I'm going to follow this voice over here. We can plug in a lot of different voices. And sometimes I don't use specific illustrations because sometimes whenever you use a specific illustration, people start to focus on what you're using as an illustration more than they are what you're actually saying. So I just want you to take in whatever voice you're listening to and plug it in for a minute. That can be my voice even, to be honest, as raspy and nasally and broken as it sounds at the moment. If it's not in line with this, we got to start to ask some questions. Is it trustworthy? Can I follow that voice? Is it safe to trust the direction I'm going to be following in those steps and be led in that way because we are a people who are prone to chase after other things to make us happy. We are a people who are prone to get impatient and start choosing our own path, to start getting grumbly and frustrated because we're not getting where we want to go fast enough. And therefore, we look for shortcuts. We've established that. We're people who look for happiness in other things that aren't as satisfying as God. And so if we know that we are the people who are prone to follow others off of a cliff, because we are, and if we're not being honest with ourselves 
on that front, we probably ought to have some quiet time beside still waters and green pastures listening to the voice of our shepherd to let him straighten us out because we are. All of us are guilty of taking our eyes off the shepherd at moments, listening to other voices, and letting other things steer and direct our hearts and our thoughts because we get impatient. Because it's hard to slow down beside still waters and listen. Because I start thinking about all the things I got to do. I start getting antsy, like Nick prancing around on the stage and like I just can't sit still. And I got to go do something. It's too hard to sit still and be quiet and listen to the voice of the shepherd. And because we don't slow down and listen to the voice of the shepherd, we don't know it. It's not clear. It's not tuned in or dialed in. And then we're not sure. I'll go ahead and throw that next section up there from John 10. If you remember, John 10, 10 is one of my favorites. I talk about it all the time. I've probably quoted it up here like more times than we can count. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life to the full. Jesus just finished saying that. That the thief sneaks into the pen to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy, the devil, would love nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life to the full because... I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's a lot of other voices who do not care about your well-being. They don't care if you fall off a cliff. There's a lot of other voices in our life who only want what's best for them, what will make them happy, what will satisfy them in the moment, what sounds good in the now, what sounds like the most direct route to get where they're going in the now. There are lots of other shepherds, lots of other voices who would like you to buy their product, who would like you to lift them up and elevate them in their position, who would like to say, listen, we have it all figured out, and this is the right way. They have no interest or desire in caring for you. The good shepherd is the one who lays down his life, puts himself in danger, goes toe-to-toe with the enemy, and faces the bear and the lion on your behalf. He's the one who wants to lead you not only beside still waters and make you lie down in green pastures, but lead you through the valley of the shadow of the death where enemies and temptation and destruction are creeping in on all sides, where suffering is a very real thing. But we will have nothing to fear because we came with the one who would lay down everything to protect us, to give us exactly what we need to get through that season, to be exactly who we need to guide us through treacherous terrain. In fact, this shepherd is so good that if we look over here in Luke chapter 15, we remember these words. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Lays it on his shoulders, carries it out of where it's wandered off to, to protect and guide and lead it back to the safety of the flock. Jesus is painting this picture of a shepherd who would go to great lengths to protect one of his sheep, but he's also talking about himself who would go to great lengths and put himself at risk, laying down his life to protect the sheep that is lost. No matter where we have found ourselves, no matter how far off the path we've gotten, no matter how many voices we've followed that were not his, he is always willing to lay himself down 
to continue to seek after us and draw us back into relationship because we have a shepherd who not only will guide us and direct us and provide for us and give us what is best for us, but we have a shepherd who cares so deeply about us individually, no matter how broken, lost, or wandering we are, no matter how much we're carrying, how burdened down we are, he will come after us to bring us back on his own shoulders, carrying the weight and the load and the burden, rejoicing the whole way because what was lost is now found again. That is a good shepherd. That is someone we can delight in. That is someone we can patiently follow and rejoice in and say, I don't know where we're going. I don't know why I'm standing here with light strapped on my back. I have no idea that we're creating the Mona Lisa. No idea what's going on. But the reality is, is that when we trust God with our life, when we follow him, he can be creating our challenges, our hardships, our suffering into a masterpiece that far surpasses anything that the Mona Lisa could ever be. Building a kingdom that brings glory to his name for his name's sake. But when we turn our eyes away from the shepherd and start to follow our own way or start to follow the voices of others, where we will find ourselves is at the bottom of a 45 or higher foot fall, crumpled up in a mess and a heap of death and loss and destruction with all the other sheep. The question is which path do we want to take? Do we want to trust the voice of the shepherd and realize that he is worthy of our delight and worthy of our trust and worthy of the investment to hear his voice and to know his name and to know what he sounds like and to know his teaching and actually believe it and actually want to follow it and actually be willing to lay down ourselves and suffer and struggle to achieve it? Knowing that hardship is part of the game but that we have a God who is not going to give up on us, who's not going to lead us into danger for danger's sake, but who is going to lead us there for a purpose. There might be struggle, there might be suffering, but what he can create through that struggle and that suffering is beauty. It is life to the full. And the other way may seem really good, but the enemy is always here to steal, kill, and destroy. And no matter how good it looks on the front end, oh, all my friends are doing it, maybe there's something cool over here. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. To leave us in a heap. Because he delights in seeing us fail. He delights in seeing us buy into the lies and the false voices. But our Savior, our Shepherd, the Good Shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep is begging us, hear me, follow me, know me, trust me, be patient in walking with me. Delight in my voice and in my presence, and I will not lead you astray. I will make beauty out of the work that we do together. And it'll be wonderful for my name's sake, because I've given everything for you, for this kingdom, and for what it is I'm trying to accomplish here. Trust me. Spire heads. There's two sides to this, and I just want you to spend just a quiet moment in prayer about it. There, there are two sides, I think, to missing the voice of the shepherd and not recognizing his call, his investment, 
and that's this. We can get so wrapped up listening to the voices of others that we're led astray, or we can just be so busy and so fixed on chasing after our own thing that we don't take the time in the green pastures beside the still waters, reflecting, let him, letting him restore our soul, getting to know his voice, spending time in his rest. And so I just encourage you to spend a little time reflecting with God, saying, God, which is it? Is it a bit of both? Do I not seek your face? Do I not actually give you time? Am I, am I not actually investing in trying to understand your word and understand your voice and understand your law and your commandment that I can take delight in and have joy and hope in? Or is it that I'm so distracted by all these other noises and all these other voices that I can't even begin to hear you? Can you help me to sort out that mess and see what steps I need to take to draw closer to you and to recognize your voice? Just take a few quiet moments to kind of wrestle in that. Father, this morning, I know you are the good shepherd. You are our Savior who would give everything for us, who would lay down your life completely for us. And so I just pray that as we come to you in communion, as we come to you in worship and in song, that you would continue to do your work in our hearts and you would continue to call us with that still, small voice and that we would learn to recognize it. It's so frustrating for us in this world with all the distractions, with all the other noises, with all the things that go on, that we just sometimes feel like we cannot hear from you. Father, I pray that you would give us a desire to be patient enough and still enough to actually delight in who we know you are, to focus on that and to hear, to be still, to listen. And I pray that you would bless us with the ability to hear you. And I pray, Father, you would build on that and push each and every one of us, to never be content with anything else, but to always say, I shall not want because I have the presence of my Savior with me. That it wouldn't be in all the other things that we chase after, but it would be in you that we find contentment. And even then, we would never be content with where we are in following you, but we would always push forward to hear and to follow your direction that much better. We love you, we trust you, and I just pray you meet with us through these next moments of response to your word. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.